All right, let's get this kicked off. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Amazing Ecosystems. My name is Connor, and we're going to be talking today about Australia in general. We'll talk about Australia in different episodes, but specifically today, we're going to be talking about the Great Barrier Reef. It's extremely unique aquatic ecosystem and a lot of the dangers that are facing it today. So just as a heads up, this is the first episode. My name is Connor. I spent four years of my early life in Australia, so I thought, why not? We'll do the first episode on Australia. And ever since I lived there, I have been absolutely obsessed with animals, ecosystems, how they form, the diversity and beauty that they bring to our world and day-to-day life. There's there's a million reasons to love ecosystems. <laughs> but starting off, we'll just take a couple facts, different things, different tidbits of information that I feel like most of my viewers would absolutely love to hear. So obviously the Great Barrier Reef being one of the seven natural wonders of the world, it separates, mm, I love it just because it separates itself from a lot of other natural wonders of the world because the wonder itself was formed mostly from biological mass. So like the Grand Canyon being another natural wonder, the Aurora Borealis being another natural wonder. Both of those create, or sorry, were created by either natural gases in the air refracting off of light or in the Grand Canyon's case formed by water. But the Great Barrier Reef is different in its own special way. It's essentially a pocket of highly dense life that has been essentially fed nutrients by the flow of the South Pacific Ocean for almost 500,000 years, half a million years since it began to take shape as we know it. The water always hit there. The life was always there. It just wasn't the Great Barrier Reef, at least the beginnings of it, until about 500,000 years ago. When the sea levels actually became stable and the coral polyps, the little creatures that make coral, essentially, and the algae that live in them, were able to make their homes and begin creating structures that are unique even in a coral term. Great Barrier Reef also has one of the greatest diversities of coral in the world, which I find absolutely fascinating. So the Great Barrier Reef is also well known for its extreme diversity. It is a conglomerate of 2,900 individual reefs spanning over 900 islands. And the entirety of the Great Barrier Reef, I feel like a lot of people look on like a map and they see the section of where the Great Barrier Reef is, but it's kind of hard to actually comprehend just how big it is. The Great Barrier Reef spans 133 thousand square miles they are absolutely huge each of these little reefs and islands each one gets different nutrient levels and different levels of sunlight there are different levels of 
salinity even in the water. Even in these little clusters, there are pockets that will have more or less. And this primarily is what led towards its extraordinarily diverse ecosystem. It holds over 1,500 species of fish, 600 types of coral, and in almost, I wouldn't say almost unlimited, that may be a bit too big, but countless numbers of plants and animals. So now that we can have, now that you have an outsider's perspective on the Great Barrier Reef, as a first episode thing, I just wanted to share my kind of my story about the Great Barrier Reef. So when I was living in Australia, I was very small, but I remember bits and pieces, and there's a specific story that stands out in my mind as something I will literally never forget. So my family and I were blessed enough to rent a houseboat for, I think it was four to five days, somewhere in the round there. So we got to sleep on the boat overnight. We essentially just packed up a bunch of supplies and we could go back to dock or go to eat at a restaurant as long as we stopped at a dock. But we mostly stayed on a boat for five days. We went fishing, we went sightseeing, we went free diving, a bunch of different stuff. But there was one moment towards the back half of this trip that shocked me and also made it so my mother never really wanted to go swimming in Australia ever again. So, <laughs> so essentially on this, let's say third or fourth day, my family is sitting on top of the boat, drinking coffee, relaxing, viewing the sunshine, looking at the waves. And in the distance, we see this little black dot. And this little black dot comes closer and closer and closer. We can start to make the shape out of it. It's like a disc almost. And once it gets closer, we can actually see that it is a turtle. And just a big old average Pacific Ocean sea turtle. And we take a second look and we realize that this turtle is just as a uh, just as a heads up this might be a little bit of a trigger warning for some people it is a little gory so just heads up but some of these not some of these these this turtle was bleeding profusely we're like what in the world is going on what is happening with this turtle why is it bleeding something's weird none of us were in the water thank god and within about 45 seconds of seeing this turtle, we see a bit of a fisherman's tail, but I would say that it was close to 15, maybe a little bit, maybe closer to 12 foot long tiger shark, absolutely massive tiger shark swimming up and munching on this turtle, attacking this turtle and we essentially just got to sit there in our tiny houseboat and watch as this colossal sea beast just ate the hell out of this turtle. Didn't care about the shell, didn't care about anything. Tiger sharks are one of the only sharks in the world that will eat literally anything. And it chose on that day to just absolutely munch on turtle. For tiny me, this shook me in 
I think in one of the best ways possible. It shook my worldview. It shook my perception of nature and kind of, it's a bit of a gory situation, but um, it really did just foster my absolute love and adoration for a lot of these different animals, different predators, different prey species that make up these ecosystems kind of like individual puzzle pieces on a puzzle. You've got like a hundred piece puzzle. If you're missing the middle piece, everything else crumbles. Now we'll move on. We'll keep this pretty short here at the end. We'll move on to kind of the problems that are facing the Great Barrier Reef as a whole. So something that absolutely blew my mind while I was researching to do this is that in the last three decades, the coral reefs in the Great Barrier Reef have declined, and that's either bleaching or they just fade away, by nearly 50%. It's a combination of climate change, pollution, overfishing. All of these have taken an absolute toll on this once great, great barrier reef. The coral dying is kind of like the puzzle piece that I mentioned earlier. If the coral's not there, the fish don't have hidey holes. They have no hidey holes to mate. They have no hidey holes to eat. They're eaten by the sharks, and then eventually there are no more fish. And then without the fish, it removes the nutrients, and the plant life can't grow. But I have faith. This is a big problem that we're facing right now. A lot of coral reefs are going through bleaching and other essentially dying processes. But this is also a very natural state for reefs. Reefs in history's eye have been growing, degrading, dying off, regrowing since polyps first started to make those reefs. I have faith. As long as humanity steps up to this challenge, as long as it becomes enough of a problem and enough people talk about it, I know that we can remedy the issues and it'll just be one small hiccup, one small speed bump in the history of the Great Barrier Reef.